and welcome back to the Service Monster Podcast. We've got a full compliment today. We're going to be chatting about a mobile release as well as an upcoming Service Monster 6 release and uh, some employee hiring tips. I know that as the busy season starts to get busy and you guys are putting your businesses uh, in full swing, that hiring employees is always a challenge. Before we do that, though, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, We're going to be leaving the live podcast on YouTube up from now on instead of editing it and then reposting it. But Adam, or uh, excuse me, Michael, will go through and still put in those time indexes. He's been out for a little bit as he is a new dad, which we welcome a new service monster baby to the family. And Adam, before we get to all of that, what are we talking about today? <laughs> yeah, we got a full slate today for sure. Um, definitely congratulations to Michael. We all we all missed him on his timeout, but uh, super excited for that adventure. Um, maybe you can throw him some tips, Joe, since uh, you've definitely got a got a few uh, times six. <laughs> um, yeah, the the primary topic we're talking about. Um, I know that you know for a lot of you guys, you know the seasonality of your 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 businesses and we're coming out of the slow season coming into the busy season and oftentimes that means hiring new employees whether that's kind of a part-time scenario um, or you're looking for someone to kind of full-time take the reins when we get off the truck and so forth so we thought it'd be a good time to kind of revisit that and just kind of talk about hiring in general and just kind of some nice um, just discussion on what are the best practices what are some things you can do to kind of help that process and so on um, so let's kind of start with the the hiring process before we even meet the the potential employee, Joe. Like, what what's kind of the importance of the job ad? What's the the right place to do that? Um, maybe some messaging tips, anything on that on that regard. Yeah. So <clears throat> before we get too deep, I um, was it three or four years now uh, at an ICE conference um, keynoted, and the topic was hiring employees and building a company culture. So that is still up both on YouTube and Facebook. You can find that there. It's a 45-minute presentation, and it kind of you know dials in a handful of really important tips. We'll cover a good portion of those here, but if you're still hungry for more, that's a good place to go look. Um, I would say before you even start looking for employees in general, um, you should have your kind of your company culture, what you want to build, the fabric of your company, in your mind and in place because that will help greatly especially with younger generations who aren't necessarily as yuppie driven as uh, my generation gen x was and certainly the boomers um when it was all about you know working from corporate america and making as much money as possible they really want to focus on having you know a good reason to go to work besides the paycheck they want to feel fulfilled And so Simon Sinek, and I've mentioned it before, has a great book called Starting With Why. Um, And that covers essentially what it means to be in business besides making a profit. Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you servicing the community? Do you have ties into cleaning and and services? Um, Are you trying to make people's lives better? Are you trying to bring them value? And being able to codify that, write that down and kind of express that in a simple sentence to people and making sure that every employee you bring on generally understands why you're in business. It's not a, what you do that's as important as why you do it. And then, of course, that can get communicated in all types of marketing materials and advertisements, including job listings. So once you understand why you're in business, something that you can rally people behind, um, you can start to really build that company culture. We're not asking a lot out of people when we're employing them. There are certainly, you know, examples of where people have led others to war, to kill other people, uh, you know, against their best interests, personal best interests. Um, and, And that kind of leadership, that kind of intention um, you can translate that to some degree in a business. Now, obviously, you're not going to p- 
people ask people to commit atrocities. Uh, so it's a lot easier. But I would also encourage you to steer away from your grandfather's employee manual, right? This is not an authoritarian system. We ask people to come join a company. And in the past, it's been, which authoritarian do you want to go work for? Um, and I, and I think with the shift, especially since the recession in 2008, 2009, people have really started thinking about, you know, what, what is working mean to me? Um, what is, what is my time value here? What am I exchanging my time renting someone else, my time for a paycheck? What else can I get out of this? And so having a purpose is a big deal. Now, being able to pay people well is also a very important thing, especially when you want to keep people around. And yeah, you're not necessarily doing like technical or technically skilled work, um, house cleaners, window cleaners, pressure washers, even carpet cleaners. There's some skill required in education, especially if you're running an RX-20 or you're doing color dye. And then more so, of course, if you're doing restoration with dry outs and, and rebuilds, um, but at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, you're not, you don't require them to have a PhD in order to, for them to understand what it is you're doing. And, and these aren't quantum physicists. But at the same time, trying to get by with paying people as little as possible is the wrong way to go. Bitching about what the federal minimum wage is is not going to get you success. It's not going to drive a company culture. That's out of your control. That's going to be whatever it is. And so if you want to keep good people around and all the time and effort and energy that you spend training them and getting them part of the company, it's, it's worthwhile to not only give them purpose, give them benefit for being in the company, and then give them a paycheck that helps them live their lives. I mean, I always found it amazing that, you know, you can start a carpet cleaning business, let's say, and put your kids through college. And it's even more amazing when you can structure your business and have a business model built in such a way where you can help other people put their kids through college too, right? Not just pay for beer on the weekends or live a, a minimalist lifestyle. So like Adam said, how do you go about attracting them? Once you have your why, once you've kind of figured out what your company is about, um, then of course you have to attract talent. And again, if you're simply an authoritarian company to go work for to collect a minimum wage or a slightly above minimum wage paycheck, there's no real draw there for scrubbing toilets or scrubbing windows in the cold or, you know, running hoses all over the house. So the first thing you should do is create an advertisement. This isn't just a job ad, you know, uh, for hire, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's not that simple. You've got to attract talent. I always used to kind of draw the analogy to superheroes. You're not going to be able to pay everybody 250 grand a year, right? You're just, no one can do that. Um, and so how do you get the best people? And I always used to say, you get the best people by getting them before they're worth 250 grand. If you can get Captain America to work for you before he's all juiced up, you can get some loyalty um, and, and then help them on their journey and recognize they're not going to be with you forever. And hopefully you're creating and cultivating an environment. They'll be with you for three, four five years. And then they take the next step in their journey and you've helped educate them. You've helped create a mindset within them that will allow them to go do amazing things. And so younger talent, bringing in young, younger talent who are just geniuses and motivated and have good work ethic. That's the real key. And then keeping them around long enough to kind of bleed some of the light off of them into your company. So that job ad, that kind of sets the stage. You want people reading that who are hungry for that kind of environment. Uh, one thing that I've coached in the past is bringing on would-be entrepreneurs. Now you've got a young 20-something who you know wants to start their own business someday. Man, you could do a lot with that by not only helping them push the wand and earn a paycheck, but also showing them behind the scenes a little bit. What's the business run like? What does it take to run a business? How can you get started? 
uh, people are always scared about, yeah, but what if they leave me and go start their own competitive business? You know what? They're, they're going to do that or they're not going to do that. And you can't stifle your own growth in your own company for some fear that may or may not happen down the road. It's pretty rare that people will actually go and start their own business. And it's even more rare for them to just jump into the same industry that they were part of uh, when they helped you grow your business. So that job ad, you want it to be an advertisement. One of the things that we do at Service Monsters, I'm big on hiring non-college grads, people who didn't necessarily go to school. Um, you know, I don't intentionally exclude college graduates, but not having gone to college myself, I know how to look for people who are autodidactic, who are self-learners, um, whether they went to school or not. And bringing in people and giving them a foothold into a career is pretty powerful. So one thing that we always add to the tagline of our job uh, ads is we'll trade passion for education. Meaning that, hey, it's okay if you didn't go to school, but if you're up at two o'clock in the morning slinging code or you're working on, you know, your creative on your own, building a YouTube channel, you know, without any pay, um, that's pretty powerful stuff. And you can leverage other people's passions to the benefit of both them and the business. So that job ad creating something that says, man, this looks like a pretty cool company to work for. Um, taking your time and putting it together and adding language in there that says, you know, we're more than just about getting paid. We're, we want to help the community. Uh, we're more than just getting a body in here. We want the right team. And so you can communicate that through your copy of your job ad. Um, where do you find them? You, you know, Service Monsters had a lot of luck with Craigslist for decades. We've been around for 18 years. Yes, we've used Monster. We've used um, Indeed. And Indeed's, you know, Indeed's all right, depending on who we're looking for. But man, by far and large, two sources, either Craigslist or referrals from within the company, other employees who you trust at least enough to bring someone's resume to you. That's how we found Adam. One of our devs had been working with us for a while. And you know, he suggested Adam come apply. And, and so using what the resources that you have to help find people is a very powerful way to get people motivate, motivated uh, without me sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Michael, do you want to kind of chime in on the copy and job placement and treating it like an ad? Yeah, totally. Um, that's a great point too, because um, I think of it too as um, when you're just from the marketing perspective in general, like we talk so much about marketing and branding and consistency and all that, um, to attract customers, but also all that can attract new hires as well. So being intentional with your copy, like you're saying, Joe, you know, it's, it's like use making sure the language you use is consistent is well-written. You know, that's an important thing. I I've seen a lot of, um, job ads in the, in the service industry where, um, you know, they, it, it just, there's like, you know, mistakes all over. It's kind of confusing. So being very clear in that and being very professional with it will attract professional people. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who really, really will appreciate that. Um, but taking even a step further, um, like I always talk about your website and your social media and branding and all that, but like having all that stuff dialed in makes you look good to potential new employees as well. Like, I think you said something yesterday in our meeting, Joe, like if your website looks like, what did you say? It looks like it's from like 2001. Yeah. Even worse. If it's from 98 and you <laughs> use Microsoft 2003 clip art as your logo. Yeah. Like you are not going to be, or you go to your um, Facebook page and it's obviously run by a boomer who has no idea what's going on in social media. Yeah. Not, no offense to the boomers who do know how to use social media. Um, then man alive, you are not going to attract those younger millennial and Gen Z's. You're yep. just not. Uh, and so, you know, you, you got to make sure that that kind of stuff is dialed in because if they go look at your website and it looks like trash, they are not going to apply or they or, or even worse. And I know you guys experience this. People don't show up to the interview. What happens between the time you get them on the phone and they seem excited and accept the interview and then not show up and not call or anything? 
Well, a good portion of the time is they did some research on your company. They went and looked at reviews. They looked at your website. They looked at your Facebook page and then they decided, yeah, no, I'm out <laughs> before they even show up. Um, and so, yeah, no, Michael's got a great point. It's actually a really important kind of thing that sometimes gets lost in in the process because oftentimes, you know, someone's looking for work, they, they obviously need the money, right? And so that's kind of a, like there's a, as far as leverage goes, um, it's on the the company itself. But, you know, both sides are interviewing both sides, you know, like if they're not a good fit for you or vice versa, you know, that's part of what the process is. It's like a first date, right? Like, like we're kind of getting, you know, the basics out of here. Do we feel like this is going to have a good fit? Do we feel like this is someone who can fit in, right? Or are they, you know, someone who's going to be a problem, um, that's something you talk about all the time, Joe, even if they're a phenomenal employee, if their attitude is kind of in the wrong place and they rub people the wrong way, that can, you know, be a larger detriment to employee morale than whatever gain they have from being a rock star employee. So it's kind of an important thing to note when you get to that process, like, hey, have I put out a good light to make sure that I'm, you know, getting that prom queen to come in here, right? So. Yeah, I mean, to the point where, like, our last hire, we brought in a new CSR, uh, Sue. So everybody say hi to Sue when you call in and get her. Um, she intentionally was waiting for Service Monster to place an ad. She had triggers in place, and she wasn't looking for work. She was working for a service company, um, but she had used Service Monster and and she found our support to be, you know, amazing as it is. And said, man, I, I really want to work for these guys. If they ever have a job opening, I want to get notified. And so set up a trigger. And then when we placed our ad, bam, she applied. And she was like one of three of the top candidates in that round. And uh, she ended up getting the position. And, you know, one of the reasons was certainly we we felt good that she had not only vetted us, but that she had already decided that we were somebody that she wanted to work for. So Adam's right. It's a two-way street. And sometimes I might even go a little too hard on the sell during the interview process. You know, I mean, when I used to work for Fortune 500 companies, I might have been a little bit more, we're doing you a favor. But now my interview process is very much, how can we help each other? And, uh, you know, pitching Service Monster a little bit and saying, you know, how how amazing the team that we have built um, I always say, if, if you're used to being the smartest person in the room, you're in the right interview and you will no longer be the smartest person in the room because um, we have some really brilliant people who work here. But it's that kind of attitude that you want to build. You want to build a team. And when you're doing that interview, you really want to set it up so that, you know, it's a it's a co-date and it's a co-benefit. I think one thing that... Um is difficult, especially for owner operators or really small teams, you know, the owner is putting on a lot of different hats, right? Like not everyone is necessarily geared towards every single avenue of, uh, you know, business ownership. That's why it's such a phenomenal thing that all of you guys are, all you guys and gals, I should say, are going through that because there's a lot you guys have to have to do to kind of make that work. Um, interviewing is a very specific skill. And I think even more so than just like, you know, the copy and everything else that you're doing, the messaging that you're, you're doing, um, there are some kind of important things you don't want to make sure that you're asking. Um, but we've talked about this before, Joe, so maybe let's kind of start with um, the the journey and kind of the sit back and kind of how you process that and, wh- and why you go about it in that manner. Yeah, I mean, it's a big um, kind of a signature move that, that I have which is I want to hear about people. Like I don't hire resumes. Like the, I've, I'm, and Eric kind of gets pissed at me for it. I don't even give a shit about the resume. I barely look at them. Like I'll scan it, right? But hopefully somebody else, the manager or whatever, has done enough due diligence to make the phone call and invite them in. And I'll toss it. Like I'll throw it. and and Or I'll be ignorant to what they wrote down. So um, you know, I'll ask them questions and they'll be like, well, that was on my resume. I don't care about that. I want to hear it from you. So one thing that I'll do about halfway through the interview process and you're, you're 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes in and you look them dead in the eye and say, tell me about you. I want to understand your journey. You know, you can start somewhere in high school or maybe just after high school. Where have you been? What'd you do? 
and you don't limit it to their job experience. Now, of course, you got to be careful. You can't ask a whole bunch of questions, you know, um, related to, you know, sexual orientation or marriage or kids or, you know, religion, that kind of stuff. You want to stay away from that. But if they offer any of that information, that's just, that's just icing on the cake, right? And so it's really good to sit down and say, tell me about you. I want to understand your journey. And then shut the hell up. Like, don't talk. Let them talk. It's, it's almost as important to hear how they tell that story as it is to listen to the story itself. For instance, if you're bringing in a salesperson and they tell their story, but they're kind of shy and meek and they're not very confident, that tells you a lot. Like maybe this isn't for a sales position. Maybe this isn't someone that's going to work in that position, you know, or you're hiring a CSR or a technician and they're too salesy. They're too confident or overly aggressive or, you know, tell you stories. I don't, <laughs> I'm amazed. 15 minutes in and and they're telling their story and then they start to feel comfortable to share stuff they might not have shared in just a question and answer environment. And one thing that always just throws a flag is they start talking about previous employers, right? It's like they're instead of asking a question and they get an answer to, they're telling you part of their journey and then they get in this, you know, oh, in the last environment I was in, you know, it was a good work environment, but you know, my boss was kind of an asshole and he, and then you're just, and you're shutting up and you're listening and, and more often than not, um, when, when they start heading down that road, you, they can set up flares. It's like, Ooh, Ooh, was there really something like, was it them? Cause more often than not, it's them, not the environment, right? Especially if they're playing the blame game or pointing fingers. And so that could be a good tell. Um, so listening to that story, staying away from anything that's, you know, questionable, that, that would get you in trouble if a labor department got a hold of it and said, why were you asking these questions, right? Um, and then letting them tell their story and then hushing up. And then afterwards, asking clarifying questions or stuff that probes like, Oh, you had mentioned that you were in a band out of high school, but then you kind of went off. I'm really interested in that. Like, what kind of music did you guys play? Like, did you do any gigs? You know, again, if it's a for sales position, maybe were they the leader in the band? Were they the ones talking to the promotion people trying to get the gigs? All that stuff can be, you know, tools that they put in their bag as they were going through this process. So clarifying that. And then at the end of the interview, and and I've never worked for anybody who's done this, and this is a big one for me. At the end of the interview, I say, look, you're going to leave here and we're going to talk shit about you, right? We're going to kind of dissect the interview. We're going to talk about what was good and what was bad. But instead of waiting for you to leave to do that, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions here for you to clarify some warning flags that I have give you an opportunity to address them instead of us making stuff up. Does that sound good? And almost every single time people are like, wow, yeah, no, that's, thank you for giving me that opportunity. And then you ask them, you had said something, you know, about your boss being an asshole. And then they'll either backpedal or they'll explain. I I had an interview. I don't know. I don't remember who it was with. I I don't remember off the top of my head, the individual or if we hired them or not, but, um, I remember them talking about a previous work experience and it was one of those, okay, here we go. And at the end I asked them, yeah, you got to clarify this experience for me. And they didn't talk about it too much because they knew they had kind of misstepped. So they stepped away from it and it turns out they weren't getting paid. They like worked for three months without pay. And I went, Whoa, that changed the story. Like if I wouldn't have asked the question and they didn't tell me that before they had left, I would assume they were just another person who was playing the blame game and not taking any responsibility. But instead it flipped at 180. I'm like, they were loyal enough to stick around for three months without pay and not make a stink about it. Like not only would we never do that, but the fact that they did that proved to me that they can be a loyal individual for the company. Um, so I, I was dumbfounded by that. Uh, but again, that clarifying question at the end, hey, we're going to talk about you. 
you want to you want to address some of these gotcha points now so we don't have to make something up it's a good way for them to say oh yeah let me clarify that or oh yeah here's a situation or you can tell the uh um uh uh you know maybe i shouldn't have said that right so those are the those are the major tips that i have during the interview process and you don't want to try to get in and out right don't look at your watch waiting to leave unless you know <laughs> that's a tell for me like i'm 15 minutes in everyone know everyone who's worked for me who's in that interview room knows when it's over for me cuz i will tune out um, but that's egregious, right? That's like, this person is definitely not the fit. But, it, you know, if it's somebody that you're really interested in, like stay an hour, hour and a half, have the conversation. Anybody can fake anything for 20 minutes. It's really difficult to fake a good conversation for 90 minutes. That point you just made was, uh, I was just waiting to jump in. That's really the biggest thing of getting them to talk. I mean, uh, job interviews are stressful. I, I've been through plenty in my life. I consider myself a fairly charismatic, just open, outgoing person. Job interviews are still scary. You never really know how that process is going to go. You might have, you know, a Steve Jobs type person who's literally going to basically, you know, yell at you for an hour. Yeah. And you don't really know what that's going to be like, uh, right? Especially if you've been kind of job hunting for a while. Um, but the biggest thing is if you let them talk, they're going to get over that at some point. It might take, you know, a few minutes. It might take, you know, a little bit longer depending on how the conversation is going. But that's where the veil comes off. And like it's people are bullshitters, right? That's kind of a thing. Um, the, the old house show, right? Everyone lies uh, on some level, just small things. And when you get them to be open about that, that's when those things slip up. Right. And it's not that you're trying to, to have like a, a gotcha, haha. That's not, you know, that's not what you're there. You're, I mean, otherwise it'd be a giant waste of time for everyone. Right. It's just, you're trying to get them to kind of show who they really are. Cause that's going to make, you know, give you much more information about, you know, Hey, this person will be a good fit just based on what I'm hearing. So. Yeah. And, and kind of to that point, don't do the interviews on your own. You know, if you can help it, um, have at least another person, Never more than three, but I do like three. And that's because at the end, um, when when they do leave and you guys sit around and talk about it, and that's the other thing is have have a postmortem right away. When they go, make sure they're out of earshot, right? They're out of the building, they're in their car, they're driving away. But immediately, like, don't go to lunch and then come back. If you go to lunch, go to lunch together to have a conversation about it while it's fresh in your mind. And then play off of each other. Like, what do you think? And And... The, the person who's in the position of power can easily poison the well. You should go last. Shut the hell up. Like, what do you think? <laughs> They'll, they're, well, what do you think, boss? Like, no, no. I want to hear what your unfettered opinion is uh, before I throw my weight around. Um, and so then you can get that. And then maybe something that you saw that you liked or you saw that you didn't like is what somebody else saw in a completely different way, right? And then they'll say, you know, I, here's how I, oh, I didn't look at it that way. You know, that's a really good point. The other thing too, is if you're building a company culture, that you're building a cohesive team, you want to make sure you get the team involved, which is why you want to at least, uh, you know, one, ideally two more people from your team in that meeting. And these will be people that'll work with them on a regular basis. And they don't have to be managers, Right. They don't have to be, you know, maybe a technician takes an hour out of their day and instead of scrubbing windows, they actually come over and they sit down and they're part of the interview. Um, it helps on the cell too, because when they're trying to look for a place to land and they see another employee sitting there who's like, man, I love this company. I've been with them for five years, six years. And, you know, the, the owners take care of us and, you know, they really care about what we think and changes happen. Um, you know, they just don't do what they do, then, uh, that could be pretty powerful. So making sure you get a team involved because you are building a team. Um, and at the end, of course, the decision is going to be, I leave it up to the managers. Um, the man, the person who's going to be their manager. I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, this is the person that you're going to have to, um, deal with. And I may not agree a hundred percent with the higher decision, but I'm going to hold you accountable for anything that they do. <laughs> right. 
So let them have the freedom to build their teams. Now, I will say I've made mistakes here where I've been the absent um, kind of CEO and let managers hire without my feedback at all. And that has been a disaster. Like we've had to rebuild entire departments before because I made that mistake and that's on me. Um, so now I am involved, but not heavy handed. I'll throw my opinion out there and let them think about it. But at the end of the day, the team that's going to be managed by the manager, that's the person who needs to ultimately make the decision who they want on their team. Um, so th those are some of the hiring tips. Now, I will say this. Here's a big lesson that I've learned over the, I don't know, I've been hiring people now for almost 30 years. Um, if there's something that feels like a pee under the mattress, it will become a mountain. I have yet to go through an interview process where I went, yeah, we really need someone and they almost fit. There's just that one thing, but you know what? I'm probably, it'll be fine. It's never been fine. And sometimes it's taken a year and a half. And so it's, it's um, I like to say, and it's kind of harsh, and none of my employees have really called me on it because most of my tenure here is like average eight years or six years or something crazy. But hire slow, fire fast. Um, clarifying, hire slow doesn't mean take a long time when you find the person you want. Once you know you have the person you want, move quickly. Hire slow means don't just put a body in place. Don't just employ someone off the first round of interviews because you have to move forward and you feel the pressure to get the position field and your employees are unhappy that they're having to do a little more work than they had to before you lost the previous employee or your business started growing or whatever. It is far more detrimental to have to, you know, replace somebody, either they go on their own or, or they're removed than it is to say, you know what, we just didn't get the right person in that round. All right you know what? Let's re-up. Let's make sure the, the job ad looks good. Let's retool that if we need to, and let's place it again and go through the process again. Um, our current so sales and support manager, Kevin, phenomenal. Man, so much upgrades. Um, he, he is great. It took three rounds. It took uh, almost 90 days to find Kevin. And we went through a dozen interviews or more over three rounds because each round there was like there was that one person or maybe even two people that were like they're pretty good pretty good but and you know we were we were looking for someone specific and so we took our time higher slow now before i get flamed fire fast doesn't mean the first offense and they're out of there from an all-star employee um it really means when you know it's right, when you start losing sleep, when, when the last thought as you're going to sleep is, I've got this problem employee, let them go. Far too many times I've made the mistake and I've seen other owners make the mistake of not letting someone go when they knew that they were eventually going to have to let them go because they didn't want the disruption. They didn't want to ask more out of the team. They had that cer certain project or whatever. It's never going to get better. Now, what I don't mean is you had a good employee that's worked for you for a year and they've had no problems and then something in their life happens because shit happens. You know, maybe they've got um, some you know, ex-girlfriend or boyfriend that's just really causing a ruckus in their um, a life emotionally. Maybe their parents or, you know, somebody's fallen ill. Um there's a handful of reasons in our lives when we don't perform at our A game. That doesn't mean just because someone falters for a minute that you're just going to kick them out, right? Give them the benefit of the doubt. What we like to do is bring them in and say, hey, what's going on? You know, you've been great for a long time and now we've noticed the work is just not up to your typical standards. Is there something that we can help you with? Is there something that we should know about? Uh, and then try to help, you know, whether, whether it's just being supportive or whether it's specific, like, I don't know, I'm kind of lost in this job. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. Well, guess what? That's on you. More training, more coaching, something to help them guidance or something. 
So always assume that on the first go that it's either your fault or outside influences from a good employee and be in a position to help them be supportive. Now, if they're acting a fool, right? Politics, I don't put up with politics at all. We have no politics service monster. Um, the, the last bit of politics that we had was a friction caused between sales and support versus how long a client's been around. Um, that's the only time that it, I've let it gotten away. And that was just a function of how the structure was. We fixed the structure and now that's gone. But I've seen too many politics in other companies, especially Fortune 500 companies. We just fire you. I don't care if you're a rock star or the best salesperson. If you're, if you're talking shit about some of the other employees or the other managers and you're trying to get, get garner you know, a, a team to be against this other team, you're gone. I'm not, I put up with it. None. So I, I don't like those environments. Um, everyone's here to do a job. Everyone's here to push the ball in the same direction. We've all got this commitment to the company. Let's move forward on that promise. So, you know, making sure you stay out. So that's what I mean when I say fire fast. If somebody's causing a major problem, don't wait. It's never good to wait. It'll never get better. But help people who have been good employees who are stumbling, who need coaching, who need a little support, who need some extra time. Maybe just like, you know what? Do you need to take a week? Do you need to take a couple of days? Like, go get some stuff straightened out. Like, let me know. So, all points of during the interview process, you know, if you're, if you're good at interviewing, if you're good at identifying people who will work well with the fabric of your team and not hiring just because you need a body, those are all really, really good ways to set yourself up so that once they're in, then it'll just work, you know? So. Yeah, there's, there's two quick things I think uh, would be good to mention that we can probably move on just uh, from a time perspective, but um, I'm just going to mention the Joe, you did a podcast with Brandon Vaughn. Um, I want to say three ish months ago. Um, I'll have, when we post this, I'll have, I'll have Michael throw the link in there. So you guys can uh, listen. It's a fantastic podcast. I was, I mean, I was listening to it over lunch and I was, I was engaged and I don't, I don't just say that guys. Like, I mean, Joe wouldn't force me to watch these things. If, I, if I really remember, um, <laughs> But uh, one of the big things that Brandon talks about is just employees crave consistency and kind of um, accountability and creating SOPs and systems and things like that. And that ties into the hiring process. That's kind of what Joe was talking a little bit about at the beginning with you know the company culture and things like that. If you're really good at the interview process and you found like a really good employee and they come in on the first day and you're just a mess and you don't really know what you're doing and the first week is sort of this haphazard just, okay, you're on the truck and you're following me around. I'm not really teaching you. I'm not really having you go anything that's going to help me be maybe um, some things that you can do on your own that might, you know, um, if you have passion or something that you want to train more on certain things in your own time, whatever that might end up being. If you don't have some sort of training process or just onboarding process in general that sets the the table for what their expectations are for their job, um, you're going to run into problems there as well. Because they're going to have this immediate red flag go up. That's like, well, if they're not, you know, ready for me to start here, then why? I mean, is it ever going to get better? Like, is this just going to be like, is this literally just going to be a paycheck, or is this going to be something that I can actually learn and you know be proud of doing and things like that? And you, and that's going to be something that you grow as a company too. And things will change. Like poor Mary, she was our first. <laughs> I'm throwing you <laughs> under the bus here, Mary. Uh, she was our first virtual employee, right? We actually hired her and then, you, you know, you gave your two weeks notice or whatever in your previous position. And then during those two weeks, COVID went crazy and everything shut down. And so on her first day, it was like, oh, by the way, you're working from home now. Like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> and so um, we didn't give her a lot of direction. We didn't really have the infrastructure or team in place. You know, we gave her a little bit like, here's what you're going to kind of be doing and here's what you should. But I'm sure that there were hours upon hours of time in that first week or two weeks where she's like, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing and am I going to get in trouble? And that uncertainty is scary. Now, luckily, Mary's a rock star, right? And she was able to fill her time and, and kind of figure it out. And then as a company, we matured into a, a more virtual company. 
Um, and now, you know, we're, we do that fairly well. I know Kevin and the team brought Sue on as if she was with the company itself. Um, and so, you know, it's going to take time. The company will misstep, but that is a big point that Adam's pointing out, like after the interview process, after the hiring process, which the hiring process is a process. And, and, and again, we don't want to spend two hours talking about this because we could easily do that. Um, you know, vet your people, do background checks, like go through all of the typical stuff that you're supposed to do. Don't skimp on that because again, bringing, replacing somebody is much harder than getting it right the first time. Um, so once they show up on day one, making sure you have a plan to teach them and train them and that they're directed and they feel like they're being taken care of goes a long way. If you brought in Captain America, you know, before he was Captain America and he feels like he's not getting a lot out of the company that they're not training him that he's un un unshaky not unshaky he's on shaky ground um you know he may start looking for a new position on day five which you know isn't a good thing so yeah we probably don't want to keep going too because we could just do this all day yeah <laughs> I, I think really just um the last two points i was going to make are, are really kind of just simple statements one is if you're if you find that your business model is really just hiring seasonal employees um, and that's your only option, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. There are other things you can do to try to keep them on full time. I realize you know not every situation is going to allow for that, and just based on on uh, you know your revenue stream and so forth. But if you can find ways to reduce turnover and kind of get them into that full time state, um, one of our local um, locations. Um, Jay was the operations manager a couple of years ago, and he did a presentation on this partly. It was just like, you know, we really wanted to keep the technicians there year round. It didn't matter if we had a slow period. We wanted to find other things that they could do that would benefit the company. And that's tied into, you know, the finding people's passions. We talked about, we had a great podcast, probably it's been at least a year now. Time is a, time's make-believe. Um, but uh we, we have that, uh, I've seen that clip all, all over the place on Facebook where we talk about, you know, leveraging your employees' passions. You might have someone on your team who is fantastic at, you know, graphic design or just has an art background. Maybe they actually went to, to school part-time for marketing or maybe they just have, you know, that sales, you know, capability. Like to take um, pictures. Or they, or they like to take pictures. Exactly. You can, or they're literally just someone who understands social media and maybe you don't. Um, and some of those things you can get them into a chair and have, you know, start building a plan like, okay, Hey, I'm not doing anything on Instagram or Facebook or whatever you want to target on the social media front. You know, what's kind of something, do you have any ideas on how we could expand on this? And boom, I, I guarantee you a lot of them would have some great ideas right out of the box. So, and they'll be excited that, that that's, yep. you know, you can imagine somebody working for you for six months, pushing a wand, scrubbing windows, scrubbing toilets. To all of a sudden now as a part-time thing, working on your social media because, you know, they're good at writing a blog or, you know, they have their own YouTube channel. Maybe they're TikTok famous, right? Um, and uh, now they're like, I'm so excited to go to work every day and scrubbing the toilets. I'm happy because while I'm scrubbing the toilets, I'm thinking about pictures that I can do in order to, you know, bolster our social media. And so um, leveraging people's passions, I found over my decades of hiring people is, is the surefire way to really build loyalty and keep people excited. So, yep. And then the last little bit too, I think it's always good to talk about when, especially when you're talking seasonal changes and things like that, part-time workers, um, being, just being in Hell's Valley, if you feel like you're, you're not quite to that point, but you really need to be at that point and you're not really sure how to get there. Um, it might really be a great idea to not really be hiring an employee necessarily, but maybe looking at someone like a virtual office or something that can help you take the next step. And so the employee you're hiring is through essentially another company um, to get you through the Hell's Valley. And again, that's another topic we could talk about for probably hours. Um, we have previous podcasts and such um, to talk about that. So, yeah. I feel like we should do a whole show on, you know, dedicate the whole show to it, but we're going to be moving on now. So forgive <laughs> us. maybe we'll do a, a employee part two or we'll pick it up after the training. Yeah. Um, so some service monster news. 
Um, we had a mobile release that uh, was out a week, week and a half or so uh, ago. And we actually, we had a small issue um, that I'm sure some of you guys picked up on right away because it was very obvious. Um, there's a visual issue for the, the very newest iOS platform um, where some of the newer phones just weren't loading certain icons. So basically your save button wasn't there and so forth. And we immediately got the hotfix. Appreciate all of your guys' patience on that. Um, also, big shout out to support. I know it was a stressful kind of eight hours for them dealing with uh, some of the calls and such there. Um, but we did get the hotfix. So if you guys are having any issues, make sure you're on the newest version, which is 1.3.12. Um, I went over the release notes, really the last three podcasts uh, on that. So I'll just kind of skip over that to save some time. But we have our release notes on our help site. So guys, make sure if you're curious about what all of the little um, changes along with kind of the, the larger ones, make sure you check those out. Um, that's help.servicemonster.net. On the desktop side, we've been teasing it for a little while um, and it still isn't quite out, but, but we are close, um, is the Fill My Schedule Self-Help um, or FMS. And we talk about this a lot. If you guys are newer and you don't really know what Fill My Schedule is, it is a direct mail program that's built for client retention. Um, there's some other things you can do with it, but that's its primary purpose. Um, you know, tint fold cards in an envelope, it gets sent out at certain intervals after you get work done to make sure you're retaining that relationship with the customer. And that's a super bare bones way of looking at it. That's what it is. For the longest time, you know, this has all been a very manual process that we have. Um, and recently in the last few years, we have added some online forms and things like that to collect your guys' information to help kind of speed up the process for our team to set these campaigns up. But I know everyone's really been wanting self-help. We obviously wanted to have self-help um, just from a resource standpoint, right? Just to help our staff internally. Um, and it's it's almost here. So we've added a whole new process. If you don't have FMS, we actually have a better explanation of what that is, right? All of the, the ins and outs of what it is, why it's important, what the price is. Um, we have uh, all the card designs on there listed. I know sometimes, sometimes um, our users didn't even know what designs we had. Um, so all of that's in there for you guys to peruse. You can also set up um, your own eight-step program, or if you just want to make a quick kind of one-off, maybe you want to do a holiday campaign next year, you just want to get that set up, you can do that. Um, we're going to allow you guys to, to add custom fronts with very specific kind of uh, parameters. Joe and I teased that last podcast as well. You have to make the design elsewhere. Uh, we actually, um, we have a shout out to Ryan Kettering. He can help you guys if you aren't um, sure how to go about that process, or you guys could create your own. If you have something very specific with your branding you want to bring over, um, that's going, that's getting added to the pile. And if you guys have campaigns that you just want to change up for a month, you know, maybe you have kind of an ongoing campaign, but for the hall month, the fall month, the fall months, you want to throw some Halloween um, related on there or something maybe in the spring, you want to just change up the card fronts. You can go in for two months, boom, you, you change up those card fronts. No longer have to email us in, don't have to call. Like it's some huge, huge changes. It's been a ma massive project on our end internally. We're excited to get it out to you. Um, and there's other just quality of life things, right? Like getting you guys um, some of the ROI information where you want them instead of jumping between the marketing campaign and the fill my schedule page, right? Just little things like that. We're just improving along the way as well. So that's kind of the teaser. Um, yeah, look for 6.6. .6. Yeah. There's some other really cool things coming in there too. There's some UI changes. Um, I'm going to leave, I'm actually going to leave that one to be a surprise because I kind of want to see what the reaction is um, from the team and uh, from you guys when that launches. But there is a really cool UI change you guys will notice immediately, uh, assuming you're using SM6, of course. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention um, is with this spring FMS campaigns, um, we, like I said, it's not quite out yet for the self-help. We are close, but we do have um, our order form. If you guys want to get a head start on the spring campaign and maybe get that started today rather than maybe waiting you know, for the next week or two to get that into the self-help, um, we do have that form. Uh, I'll make sure, Michael, if you could make a note to kind of have that added to the uh, description here, you guys can jump on that. Yeah, the form itself is fairly simple um, and we can get some spring campaigns as a one-off kind of style 
holiday blast out there to help generate, uh, let people know you're back in business or, or, you know, everything is getting kickstarted post COVID, whatever you want that to be. Right. So, um, the other thing I wanted to mention is Joe, I'll let you kind of, uh, do the quick shout out here, but you just did another, uh, podcast, which I think uh, would be good for some of you guys to listen to as well. Yeah. Um, that, that was fun. Adam, why don't you, you have all the notes in front of you. I'm sure. Why don't you give it the, uh, old one too? I, I probably messed it all up. Uh, yeah. So Joe, he did a, uh, podcast. I'm actually, I didn't put the, the gentleman's name and that's my fault. I was just watching it. Michael, do you, do you have that? No, I'm trying to get it too up here. <laughs> I'm just frantically looking on Facebook here. This is why it's why it's great to do things live, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael's gonna grab that, but yeah, we'll we'll have the link. Uh, it's a, it's a really interesting um, podcast that talks about CRMs in, in general. Um, just kind of why that is an important thing for a business to have, and yeah, there is it is fairly service monster heavy in some points, but you know, it's not Robert Lyon. There you go. Yeah. He's got a um, he's got a YouTube channel and a podcast. Um, what really is the brains behind your company? We talked about mm. CRM, yeah. uh, on his podcast. Yeah. I'll post see, a link to it, it too. Show, it's just Robert Lyon. Yeah, he's got uh, one, two, three, four, five. He's six deep now, but he's had you know, um, looks like Mark Kennedy. And I know he had um, Bill Yeadon on, so he's already gotten some heavy hitters on there and he's just getting started. So go check that out. Yeah. Some good stuff. Um, next, we have some smug posts. We actually have some great posts this week. Um, and we also have a little show and tell with uh, Mary. We'll kind of go through a few of those, um, get her some, some, some action in here. Um, the, uh, the first one came from Kim, and she was asking about security roles. I wanted to know the difference between the technician role and the technician plus role. And Joe had replied with the articles. We have an article that just kind of goes through what the security roles allow and don't allow. And so we'll um, we'll attach that here. If you guys are curious, um, kind of maybe you have someone in the wrong role or just want to make sure you know the role they're in is <laughs> what you, you thought it was. Um, yeah, you can always go to the help link to kind of see if maybe you need to up or downgrade uh, a user's security role. The next one came from uh, Nathaniel, and he was asking about if anyone uses uh, the third-party services Jingle or Hatch, which are two uh, marketplace vendors that we have. Um, and we're just kind of looking for some some feedback. Uh, one one of the things that uh, I would say is that we have heard good things from both um, sides. They've worked on the marketing front with Michael had uh, had a great kind of chance. He works with uh, Hatch on uh, webinars and such. Maybe we could link one of those if the users are interested. Um, but both of them have great reputation from the customers themselves. And we also just wanted to shine a light on this because A, um, we want to see these are great questions, right? We love the kind of just, um, you know, hey, I've got a question. Do you guys have any feedback on this? Uh, just sort of that general feedback loop in Smug will always kind of shine a light on that. Um, and B, if one of you guys is a current user and, you know, you saw that maybe just kind of forgot to post or just weren't really feeling like posting, um, maybe go, go jump in there and give give Nathaniel like some, some, uh, some proper feedback. I'm sure he'd appreciate it, so... The next one came from Kim, Kin, apologies. Um, they are looking to implement a service plan, um, which is basically a 12-month uh, carpet spot and spill limited warranty. And so if uh, you add protector, they'll provide a spot clean service throughout the year where the warranty covers, you know, for food and drink spill and just kind of things like that. The specifics um, don't really matter. What he was asking was sort of, you know, what is a good way to go about tracking this, whether it's in service monster, um, whether it's outside of service monster, he's currently actually in our legacy software. And so we had a couple of funny posts about that too, about getting the six. It's great. Um, which uh, thank you, Dan, for throwing it in there. We always, <laughs> always appreciate trying to get to the newer version, but, um, I'm going to let kind of Mary show you guys what, uh, one of the comments was about. Um, there were two main things that came up. One is using our, 
custom fields. Uh, you can utilize that to create some dates and you can kind of uh, pull reports off of that. You can also use tags if you wanted to, but um, you kind of have to approach it slightly differently. The other way was creating, you know, line items or, you know, a service line item uh, for each of these warranty items, because then you can actually pull very specific reports about, you know, the date that that order was created. Um, and it also solves certain scenarios of what if there were different um, rooms or such that had the warranty at different times. Like what if you cleaned in May and you had the Scotch guard in the basement and then you cleaned in, in, you know, August and you did the upstairs, right? You'd want to make sure that those are two separate dates, right? Because obviously you don't want to be going out uh, for warranty that it's expired, right? So Mary, why don't you kind of take the wheel and showcase a little bit about how you can do that in the SM6? Sure. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and start with looking at our custom fields, which is this is kind of how you can mark it in the account itself. Uh, so we'll go ahead and open up an account here. When decides to load. And for this, we'll hop into the profile tab. And this is where you can view, add to, and uh, adjust your custom fields. So this is a customizable space where you can choose what information it is you want to gather. Um, typical ones you'll have preset up in here is children, pets, and subdivision. That's more used for the marketing side of things. But of course, you can also use this to track information like if you set up a warranty with a client or anything like that. Uh, so how you can manage these or customize them is by clicking on the Manage Custom Fields button right there. And we do have a limit of 10 custom fields. So that's something to keep in mind. You have a limit of 10 pieces of information that you can record here essentially. Uh, but to create a new custom field, and I'm gonna go ahead and take one out for our example here, where it says field label, underneath that you can type in what you want to record. So we'll go ahead and say warranty date. And in the field type, this is where you choose what sort of information it is you want to gather. So this can be either a date, a drop-down list you can add in different options to, a number, text, or a true and false box, which is just a box that you can check off. So we'll choose date for this situation and click on the plus to add that to our custom fields list and then save. And now when we go back into the accounts profile page, that warranty date box is included in here and I can select a date. So that's one way of having it recorded in the system. And again, that's attached at the account level, so not at the order level. Uh, if you want to attached at the order level, though, another option that was brought up is adding it in as a service or a line item on your order. So for that, you'll want to go into your settings and create your services. I think the example that was brought up in the comment was having one for including a warranty with the description of one year protection in that case, uh, and then also having one that was warranty declined if they decided to um, decline it. So you can just set those up as line items that don't have any price associated with them. Uh, and then when you go to set up an order, or we can just open up an order here, you can simply add those in as your line items. So that will be recorded on the order. You can even connect a service item with it if you would like. So you know, hey, this is exactly what room or what space is relevant to this. If you do have a situation where you come back and do work with them again, and maybe they decline it later. Um, so yeah, you have it saved in here and have the date attached to it as well. One quick thing I'd note too, is when you set those up, you probably want to set up a group, right? Uh, that's very specific to warranty items or or such, because that'll be much simpler to just when you run your report to kind of track the, the group itself, right? And you'll see exactly how many warranties you've sold, how many were declined, uh, and then you can go more specific, right, as far as finding the date range. Um, really quickly too, uh, don't want to take too much time, but do you want to just jump into the account list too here, Mary, and just show how you can make custom views looking at those uh, profile fields? Yeah. So uh, when we have the account list open, Right up here next to our list of different views, we can click on the plus right there. And that's where you can start creating a new custom field or a uh, custom view. So, and there we go. Uh, and then we can add in our filter. So for this, we'll want to go through and 
in profiles, we have our different custom fields. So we can search by say warranty date and you can filter it between a specific day or just by blank or not blank. So not blank, that just means they do have something uh, entered in there. Perfect. So we, we've definitely talked about these custom views before. Uh, if you guys haven't utilized them, highly recommend just because you can really make your own reports to a certain extent, right? The grids are highly customizable as far as what columns and such you can show. Um, but you can also just quickly have these filters that then get saved like Mary just did there. She just was able to open the list and boom, click on warranty. You don't have to refilter and rework the wheel every single time, right? So just kind of a lot of power there. Thank you, Mary. Um, the next smug post that we had uh, was from Pete. Uh, we love Pete. And uh, he had a big shout out to, to Michael here, which was actually funny because he tagged uh, marketing Michael here. Um, and it was actually our support rep, uh, Michael, who actually, he, he honestly goes by Chachi uh, quite often. But he helped kind of brainstorm how to put together an estimate follow-up drip campaign. Um, now, our drip campaign process is it was first and foremost built for client retention. I'm sure you guys have realized that when you look, a lot of it is based on you know the last invoice date and certain kind of profile fields based around that marketing. Um, but you can do some things if you're able if you're willing to go through uh, a little bit of extra work when you're building the orders to kind of utilize that drip campaign process. And Mary, I think you actually had uh, some things set up here as well. Basically, what we're trying to show is having a couple of, um, I guess, statuses, kind of like if you guys were using the Kanban board, um, just like as a visual, well, you can also set kind of statuses as custom fields and toggle them. And that'll obviously trigger certain events if you set them up correctly. So why don't you just quickly go through that as well? Yeah, so here I am on my profile page again, and in here I have added in some estimate status fields. So I have um, different ones that represent the kind of different steps of the process for us, as well as one that's just removed from marketing full stop. So as we check these off and click save in the drip campaign, you can go in and create filters that use, hey, if this is marked as true, they can receive this email or hey, if this is marked as false, they won't be receiving this email. Um, so yeah. And there's lots of different ways you could set that up when you set up the marketing campaigns. You know, as far as like a time period, you can make sure it doesn't send for a certain amount of time. A really important uh, filter when you guys are building your drip campaigns, um, Mary, maybe if you just want to go show it really quick, is the contact by this campaign. So if you have created a drip campaign um, or even just a, a standard kind of campaign, you're going to want to always kind of utilize this contact by this campaign. Um, Right there. Perfect. Um, and I usually do it not within about a 30 day. I've seen it as high as 60, um, as low as 10 or 15. Um, but all that is saying is, hey, if I've sent this campaign to Bob, no matter what else happens, don't send this campaign to Bob for 30 days. And it's, it's a really important one. It always, it's sort of like I always said it would help me sleep at night, right? Just to make sure I'm not spamming um, my clients. So just kind of another one of those things to keep in mind. The last post we had here was from Jared and uh, was asking about um, attaching pictures to work order on the app. When he emails them, they, the photos aren't attached. And shout out to Alan. He actually uh, jumped in here and, and responded before any of the support staff got to that. So thanks, Alan, for, for taking that one. Um, but there's just a way to add attachments um, or the images as attachments in the email editor. So I thought it would be a good idea to just quickly kind of just jump in and showcase that. So Mary, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so I have my order opened up here. And when I go to email, I can actually click select attachments and any attachments that have already been kind of uploaded with this order will already be included here. So here I can see the photos that I took and I can select those to add them in. If I got a signed copy of an order, so if I collected a signature on the mobile app, that will appear as a PDF you can also select here, as well as you can also use the choose files right here to uh, search through the files on your computer to upload one in as well. So um, yeah, it's pretty, Simple. 
when you close out to you can see the list of attachments right there um, at the bottom. Yeah. So the process is exactly the same in mobile. Uh, obviously, we're just showcasing desktop here. But if you guys weren't aware, then that is kind of another little quick visual help. Perfect. Yeah. Outside of that, though, Joe, um, happy March. Congratulations again to Michael. And that's all I got for you. Yeah, just a little shout out. Uh, as at the end of the month, March 20th, Service Monster will have been virtual for one year. Um, which, you know, Washington, totally crazy. And I, Washington State was one of the first, I mean, New York also, but we had the first cases of COVID. <clears throat> and locally, they hit a couple old folks' homes and pretty much wiped them out. Um, so we've been on lockdown longer than most everybody else in the nation. Uh, but it, it is essentially one year what we're looking at right now. Um, and so vaccines, you know, on the way, those curves are dropping quickly. Uh, it's a race against the variants, but we're being, we're very hopeful. Um, things are looking good. And, uh, if you haven't done so yet, you go see if you're ready to get that vaccine, especially if you're a service provider running around, uh, working in people's homes and commercial abilities. But from everyone here at Service Monster, thank you so much for your attention and be safe.